Amen. Wonderful. Enjoyed the music, and we're looking forward to Brother White playing for us for the rest of the service tonight. And uh, you won't have to back Brother Sisk up while he preaches, though. That'll be okay. And we're glad to have uh, our missionaries with us tonight. Brother Ron White did a wonderful job for us yesterday as we got to be challenged about God's work around the world and in our own lives. And I'm thankful for that message yesterday morning. If you didn't get to hear it, it's online uh, about the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God orders our steps, He orders our stumbles, and He orders our seasons. And I was encouraged by that. I was uh, reading this morning, probably some of you are doing your through the Bible reading this year. And I was in Exodus chapter 4 reading about Moses as he comes to the burning bush. And I was just so challenged and encouraged by this because Moses answers and says to him, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it, and the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it, it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And if you keep reading through the chapter, you see he tells them to put his hand in his coat and pull it out. And, and then he's still afraid and says, But I, I can't speak. And he, he tells him that his brother Aaron can go with him and speak for him. And just, I was struck over and over again by the insufficiency of Moses, but the all-sufficiency of God. And that God could take a rod, he, he could take his hand, he could take anything that he needed to be able to accomplish his work. And we were challenged about that yesterday, that God uses insignificant, insufficient things to do a wonderful work for him. Because it's not us, it's God who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. We were challenged yesterday in thinking about that Acts 1-8 ministry model of local and regional and worldwide missions. And I know we'll be encouraged about that tonight. And in just a few minutes after we sing a song, we are going to attempt, if technology allows us to, to connect uh, through with one of our missionaries over in Uganda, James Pridgen. And he's been working over there for quite a few years now. God is really blessed, and he'll give you a few more details, hopefully, when we talk. If not, I'll be giving his presentation tonight. And uh, he, he got up, it's about 4 o'clock in the morning, his time, so uh, he said he was willing to do that for us, so I'm thankful for that. So he wins the award for getting up the earliest, I think, to be here tonight. And uh, Brother uh, Sisk wins the award for traveling the farthest to be here tonight, and uh, he flew from Hawaii and we're thankful that he could be here tonight, but we're glad that you're here as well. And let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then Alan, come lead us in a song, and then we'll try to connect with Brother Pridgen. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather together on a Monday night to be challenged about your work here and around the world. We're thankful for the great work of saving souls that you have done and that you continue to do and that you've made possible through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for our salvation that you've given freely to us. Lord, even if there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that they would be saved. Lord, for those who know you, 
I pray that we'd be challenged to go forth in obedience, walking by faith, and know that you can do the great work that you've asked us to do. Help us to be faithful. Bless our service this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Tom's going to try to connect us here, so we'll give him just a moment. And hopefully, if it all works like we hope, he'll be, you'll be able to see him on the screen up here. I got to video chat with uh, Brother Pridgen this morning, and uh, it's wonderful with video chat. He's in Kampala, Uganda, and uh, could be able to see clearly and talk. He was at their Christian school and at their church as they're getting ready to start another semester of school. And uh, so it's wonderful to be able to see him and talk to him for a few minutes. I remember as a boy him coming to our church when he was raising support to go to the mission field in the very beginning. And I'm thankful that, uh, for his faithfulness in serving the Lord. And uh, so we had fun talking about this morning. All right, let's see if we can get this. All right, here we go. Tom's going to click the button. We'll see if he's on the other end here. Yes, sir, I believe so. All right, we'll try to call him here. All right, you may have to angle it up a little bit, Tom. There's Tom. All right, this will work. Let's see if he answers. Oh, here we go. There he is. Can you hear us, Brother Bridget? Hello. Welcome. Yes, sir, I can hear you. All right. Well, welcome. We're glad that you're here at Arise Baptist Church tonight. And uh, I should have looked it up, but I know you're coming from many thousands of miles away. And thank you for being with us on Monday night of our missions conference. I was just talking to the folks a little bit, but go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what the Lord's doing there in Uganda. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to be here with you tonight. And my name is James Pridgen. My wife, Cheryl, and I and our family are missionaries in Uganda, East Africa. Uh, we've been here in Uganda now for about 21 years. And the Lord has been blessing. Um, we have our church here in Kampala that we're working through. And um, we're seeing a lot of people saved right now. It's been exciting to see what the Lord's doing. We have a Bible college, and here in Bible college, we have about 15, 20 people a day going out soul winning, and that's part of their training and helping them in starting churches, and also helping us reach people with the gospel. And so, um, the Lord's been—it's been exciting to see what the Lord's doing with the church. Um, the church is uh, doing very well, and then also we have a Christian school here. We'll be starting the Christian school again um, in next week. And we're at about 215 students in the school. Mm-hmm. And it's for people in the church, but also we have an open enrollment. And we use that as part of the Great Commission and reaching others with the gospel. We've seen a lot of those uh, children getting saved. And now also we're starting to see some of them who are coming from homes where they're not coming to their church, where their parents are now also getting saved. And so that's one of the exciting things to see what the Lord's doing there in the Christian school and helping us to reach those people with the gospel. And then after that, we'll be starting a Bible college in February. The last week of February, uh, we have East African Baptist College. And we have about, um, we're expecting about 50 students this year uh, for the Bible college. Um, Some of those are from Rwanda and then also from throughout Uganda. And we've had people from other places as well, Congo and Kenya and other countries coming in, and South Sudan and times past. And it's exciting to see there how uh, some of the graduates are pastoring churches now. One of our graduates is in Rwanda, 
and starting churches there. And so um, it's exciting to see that. And we have about nine other people helping us in the Bible college uh, to help us in the teaching and things. And then as well, we have um, some property in northern Uganda, um, in an area called Arua. And the Lord's allowing us to see some great things there. We just had our uh, teen camp um, that's sponsored by the Bible College. And with that one, we had about 178 in attendance. And there's 10 teenagers who got saved. Amen. And about 30 others uh, surrendered their life to the Lord to, uh, it, um, as far as like 30 or serving the Lord in Bible College, different things like that. And so... Um, through the Bible college, we're able to see more churches being started as we train more pastors. And that's so wonderful. that's something we've been working a lot on. And we just announced in Arua um, a couple of weeks ago that in 2022, we'll be starting a Bible college in Arua also and already lining up some teachers for that one. And with the Bible college in Northern Uganda, we're going to reach that area, but also we're right near Congo and we'll be able to get some students, I believe, from Congo and also from South Sudan, we're close to the border there. And so it's just exciting to see the doors of opportunity that the Lord is opening up, not only here in Uganda, but throughout East Africa, and being able to work with other missionaries, national pastors, to help us in reaching them with the gospel. And so um, we're excited about that. That's wonderful. Uh, also, this past year and a half, We've been able to see um, three more churches started. Uh, these churches have been closed out. They've been started in times past, but uh, due to pastors leaving or other problems that they had, they closed down. And so the Lord allowed us to um, help to restart those churches with some of the men in our church here. And so um, that's been exciting to see. Uh, there's two churches now in northern Uganda and one in southern Uganda uh, that were able to be restarted there. And so we're excited about that and about um, what else the Lord has planned for our students and um, more areas where we'll start in more churches. And so um, it's exciting. God is very open the gospel. And uh, the people here are very friendly, but definitely in need of uh, the message of salvation. And so please continue to pray for us and reach your people here and throughout Africa. And then also... Um, Later this year, we'll plan to be on furlough, and hopefully we'll be able to get there to see you all in person as well. Um, yes. We're looking forward to talking to the pastor about that. We talked about that the other day. And uh, we're going also to see our oldest graduate from college. And then before we come back in August, we'll be dropping off another daughter for Bible College. So <laughs> uh, be praying for us as we'll have two back in the States next time we come back to Uganda. Wow. And so I'll be a little bit different for us. Uh, but it's exciting that our children love the Lord and they have a desire to serve Him also. And that's a blessing to me as a parent to see um, our children faithfully serve the Lord here in the ministries here. And now also wanting to go to Bible college and uh, be trained in His service as well. But uh, we're Amen. praying for your missions conference to go well. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you tonight. And um, again, we're looking forward to seeing you later on. This year. Well, thank you for that great report. Um, I know maybe to some people here is that you gave that list of all those things. They're wondering how in the world can you get all of that done in, in you know, as, as you work there together. 
Um, you mentioned some other missionaries and some other people there. Do you have a good group of people around you, that men that you've been able to train and ladies working there with you and other missionary families as well? Um, yes, sir, we do. We have um, uh, several other missionaries and also national pastors who are helping us in the Bible College. Mm -hmm. We have about nine other pastors and uh, helping us teach here in Kampala. And then um, up in Arua, I have lined up about five people, uh, national pastors and missionaries as well, who will be helping us in starting the Bible College in Arua in 2022. And with the Bible College, we have some of our graduates that uh, the church here is hired to help out in ministering things. Hmm. And so really it's about, you know, working together, um, delegating different things, authority, things like that. Sure. And getting the work done. Amen. Um, and the Lord's really, really been blessing. Well, that's a blessing to hear of all those souls coming to Christ. And it's wonderful, I think, for our folks here as they give to missions to be able to see God continue to do His great work. And uh, I really feel like this is a tremendous investment that uh, we're giving and, and hope that we can be a part of that more in the future as God allows uh, to see God's work just continue to go forward because uh, we're, we're giving very little compared to uh, what you're doing with it, and that's a real blessing. So thank you for your faithfulness. And uh, we'll look forward to hopefully seeing you this summer. We appreciate you all and appreciate your faithfulness as well and the sacrifices you make in helping us reach people with the gospel and your giving and, and praying for us. Yep. And look forward to seeing you all. Amen. Well, uh, for a lot of the folks here, it may be the first time they've ever seen you. And I uh, look forward to meeting you in person in a few months. And this will be able to help us better pray for you and for your family and for the ministry there. And we look forward to, Lord willing, getting to spend some time with you in person uh, this summer. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for getting up early in the morning for us. And uh, I hope maybe you can have a good day and don't uh, get too tired later today. But God bless you, and uh, thanks for calling in. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate the opportunity, and look forward to seeing you all later as well. All right, goodbye. Thank you. All right. Amen. All right. Well, thank you. That was wonderful. That even worked smoother than I thought it might, so I'm glad for that. And uh, I hope that you can be encouraged to pray for him. His name's on a list, and for many of us, that's maybe all that it's been. And so to be able to take that name on a list and put a face with it and be able to pray for them, Lord willing, this summer you get to meet him and some of his family as well. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing around the world. Isn't that exciting? and uh, to see what God is doing. And uh, so we'll be praying for him and supporting him and his family, and we're excited about what the Lord is doing. Wow, I'm grateful for all the help. So thank you. It's such an honor to be here, and to be here with to us, it really just feels like family. Uh, this past, I guess it was last Sunday, that we had our first, uh, what we're calling a preview service of our, start, our soft start uh, for the church, and whenever we were getting ready for the service, my three-year-old daughter, Julianne, she goes, is our family coming over today? And uh, we were like, well, yes, uh, uh, Sarah, Auntie Sarah and Uncle Jaden are coming over, but today's church, so we have our church family come over. and then she goes, oh, is, is my family, Madison, going to be here, which she's a, a little girl her, close to her age that's been coming, and she was just so excited that her family, uh, our church family, came to church on Sunday, and that was that was so much fun, and then we love being here with 
what feels like our second family here at Arise Baptist Church. So we're so thankful to be with you all, uh, and I'm thankful to be a part of this mission conference and to see your burden for missionaries who are uh, planting churches thousands of miles away and to missionaries to church planters who are, who are planting churches three miles away. And uh, so we're so thankful for you guys. Uh, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And as we look forward to what God is doing at New Life Baptist Church, we're so thankful for how he is directing and for how he is leading, uh, how he's directing our paths. And one of the ways that he's done that is through our family that is here tonight. So we have, of course, most of you know Jaden and Sarah Pinson. Uh, they're here. They, they went to church in Baytown, uh, where my dad pastors, and they're moving uh, to help us at New Life, and we're so thankful for them. And then I'm excited to introduce to you tonight Tim and Raquel Lynn, and uh, they just moved here. We're so thankful for them. They've served in ministry for the last five years uh, in Nevada and then in Kentucky, and God has led them to be a part of our team uh, at New Life Baptist Church. So we're so thankful they, they gave up uh, a full-time job. They gave up uh, what, they, what they knew, and they stepped out by faith to help New Life get started. And we're so thankful for them, and we hope you'll get to know them. You're going to love them. Uh, they're great people, and we're so thankful that they're here uh, with us tonight. Well, we're looking forward to the days ahead and what God's going to do. Uh, in 76 days, New Life Baptist Church will officially be launched. We're looking forward to starting on April 12th, 2020, on Easter Sunday. And the first time that I came here, I said, we're praying that God will, that God will bless deputation that will be starting in late 2020 or early 2021. And we're so thankful for what the Lord has done. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to starting this Easter Sunday. So God's moved our timeline up significantly, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, we're so thankful that it looks like God is giving us our very own building, 2804 Fulton Street, and we're counting down the days for that to when we can get into it, and we're so thankful uh, for, for you as a church and your part in, in helping us with that. We're so thankful for that. Uh, over the next couple of months, if you would be in prayer for us, we have uh, a lot going on. We're leaving on Thursday to make our last really intense uh, trip where we're going to be going to Ohio, Canada, Kentucky, West Virginia, and back to Canada again. Uh, and then we'll be back for a week to have another service here in Houston. Then we're going to Florida for a missions conference. Then we come back for another service. Then we go uh, we have one more place. We go to Spokane, Washington, uh, and then we get back, we get the keys to our building, and then we get to start. So if you would, I'd really appreciate prayer over the next couple of months. We're going uh, to be pretty busy, and we're excited, just looking forward to planning, seeking the Lord uh, for his wisdom as we get ready to start. So if you would please pray uh, for us as we wrap up deputation that God would bless that and uh, that, it would all, uh, that it would all finish well and that we'd finish well with that. Uh, also, please pray for us at, as we ask God for wisdom as to how to go about starting. So we had plans, uh, and, and I think that there's an old saying that goes, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Uh, so um, so my, we, had, we had really nice plans. And then for Christmas, uh, I ruptured my Achilles for Christmas, so that was a blessing. And it just kind of shook up our plans a little bit. But something that God's been teaching us uh, over the past month since it happened is that it's better to go healthy and, and a little slower and trusting the Lord 
than it is to try to just do things in our own might and our own power and in our own strength. So we're just trying to lean on him and depend on him. And uh, whenever I rupture my Achilles, my father-in-law picked me up uh, from, the, from the court and took me to the house before I, got, before I went to the ER. And I just told him, I just need a vent for a little bit. I said, I don't know how you, how you plan to church, how you start a church with a ruptured Achilles whenever you can't really go knock on doors, you can't really do a whole lot. And then I was reminded, like uh, Brother White preached last night, that it's not my job to build a church. Uh, Jesus said that he would build his church. Uh, so we're just, we're trusting the Lord, we're depending on him, and we're looking forward to that day. Uh, also, right after we start, God's given us uh, just some wonderful opportunities. There's a church that's coming from California uh, to help us. They're going to be doing a lot of outreach for us after we start. Um, so from Northern California, we're really excited about that. They're going to be doing, we're going to have a barbecue for our neighborhood and uh, they're going to, I think they may be doing a, a teen outreach service. That's something that they're wanting to do. So we're, we're still talking and finalizing the plans for that. But we're thankful that they're coming. Uh, we're looking forward to a great summer of ministry. Please pray for me uh, as I get to preach every Sunday. That's something that I haven't got to do to preach to a church family every single, every single Sunday. We're preaching through the gospel of Mark. And we just want to introduce people to Jesus and show people why they should love him and trust him and know him and just preach the gospel every week. I'm so excited about that. So with those are some of the things that we have coming up if you'd be in prayer for us. And then Pastor Will wanted me to share with you some opportunities of how you can be a part. I'm so thankful for your heart to do that. And one of the ways that you can do that is, uh, is if you would help us with outreach. If you'd be willing to help us with outreach, uh, that would be a blessing. We're looking forward to getting our outreach cards in, our tracks and door hangers. And if you'd be willing to come and give a day, uh, or if you'd be willing to come once a week or whatever you'd be willing to give uh, to go out and to pass out flyers, you've done that in the past. We're grateful for that. If you're willing to do that, that would be wonderful. And then another opportunity that I'm excited about is uh, we are something that I think the Lord's blessed us with already, and now we're just trying to figure out how can we steward that well. Is God has blessed us already with a lot of kids. Uh, so we have right right now we have I think coming on a regular basis we have seven now, and then we're having a boy in May. So that'll be eight kids uh, for a brand new church. Which I was sitting down the other day, and I was just starting to get a little overwhelmed by that. I was like, how do we take care of eight kids? Uh, so um, one of the things that we're that we're asking is if different churches that are in the area that would help us by just maybe sending one or two volunteers um, on a rotation. So arise if they did it. Uh, if y'all did it, maybe maybe two or three of you would come to New Life for one Sunday uh, out of the month, and then another church would send a couple the next week, and uh, just really partnering together to start a new church close to the downtown area. So those are some ways, outreach, prayer, and then if you're willing to serve in any of those kinds of ways, then we would truly appreciate that. So those are the things that we have coming up. We appreciate your prayers, and we're so grateful to be here at this conference. Thank you very much. That was a blessing, and I hope a challenge to you. You got those uh, cards yesterday, uh, ways that you can be involved in serving and, and committing to helping with our missionaries and some of the outreach things. If you didn't get one, I encourage you to get one on the way out tonight. We'll make sure the men have those at the door as you leave, but uh, we heard some ways that we can be a blessing to this family and to this new church as it gets started, and I hope that you'll... Uh, Pray about what God would have you to do there. Well, I'm very thankful to have somebody that I didn't come to start knowing until just a few years ago, but I'm thankful for, that his ministry has spanned a lot more than just a few years. And Dr. Don Sisk has been a blessing and served the Lord for many, many years faithfully all around the world. 
And uh, I had Brother Ron White as one of my professors in seminary, and he used to tell the stories about going to Japan and starting the work there. And one of the guys he would talk about that they started together with was Dr. Don Sisk. And they went to Japan right about the same time, if you listened yesterday, just about a month apart. And uh, in those early years, saw several churches started, and, and God continued that work even to this day. And I am praying that God would take what little has started here in this church and expand it and grow it, and to know that we're not uh, a beginning in and of ourselves, that God used other things and other people to work in our lives to bring us to this point, and that we could be part of God's plan to carry that forward and to see a great work continue and to grow and to be here in Houston and then all around the world because that work in Japan's not just contained to Japan anymore. Brother White told us yesterday there's missionaries now from those churches in 23 other countries around the world serving God and uh, supported by those churches out of Japan. And I'm looking forward to as God continues to bless and continues to work in our hearts and challenge us that maybe God would send people from this church and people from New Life Baptist Church to go start more churches in Houston and go other places around the world and, and uh, reach souls for Jesus Christ. I believe He's coming back soon. And Jesus is coming soon and we, we want to be ready and we want to be faithfully serving Him when He comes and tell everybody that we can about the Lord and uh, see as many people saved as possible for Je before Jesus comes back. So it's a real privilege for us, I believe, on the, at a beginning church to hear from somebody who's been a long road, seen many churches planted and grown, and be able to challenge us from God's Word because the Word is still the same, the Holy Spirit's still the same, and the gospel's still the same. And so we can see God work tonight. Brother Sis, you come and uh, come preach for us tonight. And whatever God's laid on you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cover. It is a, uh, would be superfluous for me to say that I'm happy to be here tonight, okay? Because at my age, I'm happy to be anywhere in the world. Okay. <laughs> I was in Lewis Avenue Baptist Church a few months ago, and uh, we ate dinner in the basement. And uh, as I was going up the steps to the auditorium, uh, there was a beautiful little, probably four or five-year-old girl standing at the top of those steps. And she was the um, uh, daughter of uh, Joseph uh, Fisher, who is a missionary to Alaska. And she looked at me, and she said, Sir, you look old. <laughs> and I said, well, the reason I look old is because I am old, okay? <laughs> I was in uh, Wilson, North Carolina a few months ago, and uh, the pastor and his wife took me to the greatest steakhouse I've ever been in my life. Uh, it looks like a hole in the wall, but uh, <laughs> you can't hardly get in it for people all around comes to it. And we were having a wonderful meal, and uh, Brother Shakur and his wife were probably in their mid-30s, early 40s at the most. But uh, she, she said, you know, Brother Sis, she said, uh, you came to my church when I was a little girl. And she said, uh, you were old then, okay? <laughs> so I said to her, I said, you know, about 45 years of age, my hair got real gray, and I got about as ugly as you can get then, and I haven't changed a whole lot, okay? But uh, it, it is a joy to be here, and... It's always a joy to see a, a new church being started. 
I, I doubt that there's anything in the world that's more rewarding uh, than seeing God gather the people together and a Bible-believing New Testament church established. And uh, thank God for Brother Cover and, and what is happening here at, at uh, Arise Baptist Church. And uh, thank you for uh, uh, letting me come. And, of course, it, it is always a blessing uh, to be with other missionaries. And uh, we'll certainly be praying for the New Life Baptist Church and thank God for it. Uh, I hate to see one of my former students just on crutches, okay? Uh, he's getting older than I am, okay? <laughs> but uh, that, you, you'll get over that, amen? <laughs> yeah, you'll get over that. Okay, good. Uh, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Uh, Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to read just a couple of verses. And uh, when you open your Bible, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, you'll find that probably everything on this page is, is in red uh, because it, it is a part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples, okay? And uh, let, let's look at a couple of verses. Um, look at verse 37 and 38. And uh, I, I want you to see a, a cause and an effect. Jesus says, do something or don't do something. And then he tells the results of that. So that's what we're going to be thinking about tonight, okay? Uh, verse 37, uh, Jesus says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. That's a good idea, amen? Uh, by the way, it's an inspired idea. It's, it's Lord speaking, so it has to be good, okay? But uh, I think what he's saying there is, uh, if you will not be so judgmental toward other people, uh, other people will not be so judgmental against you. Uh, that's a good idea, amen? And then he said, uh, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Uh, ha have, have you ever noticed that it's a whole lot easier uh, to find something to condemn somebody for than it is to commend them for? Uh, but the bottom line is that we really don't help people when we condemn them, but we do help people when we commend them, okay? Uh, for instance, if uh, your wife uh, prepared a good meal for you tonight and uh, you ate that meal, uh, it would probably be a good idea to commend her for that. Uh, if you don't, you may be eating TV meals a long time, okay? Uh, and, and, and by the way, ladies, if you ever catch your husband doing something good, and you will eventually, okay? Uh, but if you do, then it'd be good to commend him for it. And the reason for that is, when you commend somebody for something, uh, they will do that better the next time. And by the way, it, that'd be good for parents. Rather than finding something to condemn your children for, uh, you, you, you commend them. Find, and, and I've often challenged people, uh, every day look for something to commend somebody for, Okay. Now, it'll be easy to find something to condemn them for, okay? But that's probably not going to help them. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we just, day by day, we found uh, somebody doing a good job and we commended them for it. And by the way, it, it is true. When you commend somebody for something, they'll do it the better uh, the next time. And, and then he says, forgive and it shall be forgiven you. And, and I doubt that there's any of us here tonight uh, that somewhere along the line that we have not that we've done something and, and we wish that people would forgive us for that, okay? And maybe the good way to start is, is uh, to search your heart and uh, find out if uh, 
uh, somebody has done something to you or said something to you and uh, you've never forgiven them. And by the way, it'd be a good idea tonight to just uh, look at that and, and forgive them. You say, well, if they ever ask me to, I will. They probably won't ever ask you to. They probably don't even know you have anything against them, okay? And, uh, and, and the bottom line is you're not forgiving them for them. You're forgiving people for you. Because we're not big enough to carry grudges, amen? And so he said, forgive and it shall be forgiven you. Now, th those are good verses, okay? Uh, good words. But uh, verse 38 is what I want us to think about tonight. In verse 38, Jesus says, give. Now, again, here's telling them to do something. Then he's going to tell them the, the result of that. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give in your bosom. For the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Think about that. Jesus saying to you and, and to me, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Press down and shake your hand. You know, humanly speaking, we have the idea, uh, the more I give away, the less I have. But that's not God's economy, amen? In fact, the Bible says, there is that scattereth abroad and yet increaseth. In other words, there, there are some people that just give here, give here, give here, give here, and they increase. And then it says, and uh, there is that withholdeth more than is meat, and it tendeth to poverty. And then he said, and the liberal soul shall be made fat. Amen. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with the size of your body, okay? <laughs> uh, but but fat, uh, fat spiritually, okay? The liberal soul shall be made fat, Okay? Now, think about this term. Uh, and, and this, like many of the illustrations in the Bible, uh, has to be an agricultural illustration. And that stands to reason since uh, the time of Jesus and before then and so forth, it was basically an agricultural society. And uh, uh, it, it looks like there's a farmer, okay? And he wants to be sure that anything that anybody buys from him, uh, that they're going to get more than they paid for. They're going to get everything they deserve and more. So he gives this illustration. Give, and it shall be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to your bosom. It's like a farmer that, that takes a basket. Okay, he's got some wheat. He's going to sell wheat. And uh, uh, he, he fills that basket up with wheat. Okay, now you can do this to wheat. And he takes his hands and he pushes it down. And then he shakes it together. And then he fills it again all the way up to the top. In other words, he's saying, I want anybody that buys something from me to get more than they deserve. Uh, uh, how many of you have ever heard the term baker's dozen? Have you ever heard that term? Okay. Uh, most of the old people have. Some of the young people don't know anything about it, okay? But uh, now here, here's where it came from. You'd, you'd go to the bakery, and you buy a dozen donuts, and uh, they would put in an extra one. they put in 13. A baker's dozen. Now I think, now if you go to the, the, the bakery and order a dozen donuts, uh, they'll probably give you 11, okay? <laughs> but it's a different generation, okay? But, but here's a farmer. He wants to, 
and, and, and here's God, and, and God is saying to you, by the way, Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh, amen? And uh, uh, here is Jesus, and he's saying, uh, give and it shall be given unto you. Now, by the way, God must have loved the word give because in the Bible it is found 811 times. Now, to be sure, many of the times it's talking about something God has given us. In fact, the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light in which there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And, you know, in, in essence, what that verse says is, uh, everything I have is a gift from God. Amen. And by the way, it is. And you say, well, you're a preacher. Everything you have might come from God, but I work hard for my money. Okay, <laughs> congratulations. Amen. Uh, but uh, uh, who gives you the breath to breathe? You know, who gives you the power to work? Uh, who puts you in a place where you can have a job uh, where you can work? Bottom line is, uh, everything that we have is a gift from God. Uh, there's a wonderful verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. And uh, there, there are two questions, and the questions have obvious answers. Uh, I think theologically we may call them rhetorical questions, okay? They're questions that have an obvious answer. Uh, the first question is this. Who maketh thee to differ from another? All right, that's pretty obvious, amen. Who makes you to differ from another? God. Huh? Uh, after all, and the Bible says in Jeremiah 1, 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. In other words, God said, I formed thee. Uh, Psalms 119, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, God formed us. And who maketh thee to differ from another? And by the way, we're all different from one another. Uh, there are 7.8 billion people on the face of the earth, and there are no two people exactly alike. For instance, there's nobody in the world like the person sitting next to you. Now, you probably said, thank God for that, amen? Uh, but, but all of us are, are different. And isn't it good God made us different? Uh, would it not be a sad world if all the 7.8 billion people on the face of the earth looked like Don Sisk? That would be a sad world, amen. Uh, but it would be sadder if all of them looked like some of you tonight, okay? Uh, God, God made us different. Now, here's the next question. What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Okay, again, it's an obvious thing. Nothing. Everything I have, I receive. And the, he goes on to say, Then if thou didst receive it, why dost thou boast thyself as if thou had not received it? So everything that I have, everything that you have, is a gift from God. Uh, now he's put it in our hand, but even then it doesn't really belong to us. We are only stewards of what God has put in our hand. You know, you read this verse, and, and, and Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is God. And he speaks to me, and he speaks to you, and he says, give. Give. My. Uh, why would God want me to give him anything? I mean, after all, he created the entire universe. Through faith, we understand that the world's not just this planet Earth, which is just a little bit of speck in comparison, 
but the worlds were created by the word of God. By the way, uh, that's exactly what happened. God spoke the world into existence. Now say, Brother Sisk, I understand you're from Kentucky, and they're not very smart down there in Kentucky. And uh, particularly in your day, they, they, didn't, they didn't know much of anything. And, and probably your science teacher and so forth, they didn't know enough. Of, they hadn't learned about uh, evolution, and they hadn't learned about the Big Bang Theory and all those things and so forth. Uh, but I could surprise you tonight, okay? I, I really believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke, and bang, there it was, okay? <laughs> and, and by the way, that's exactly the way it happened. Uh, read Genesis 1. God said, and it was so. 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 I mean, you know, God spoke the world into existence. Now, now, since God spoke the entire universe into existence, uh, what in the world would he want from somebody like me? But I am absolutely positive tonight that there are at least three things that God wants every one of us to give to him. Now, there are several words in the Bible that are very similar. They're different, but they're very similar. For instance, the word give, uh, the word present, uh, the word yield, the word commit. Just, just think about some of those things. And number one, I am absolutely sure that God wants every one of the 7.8 billion people on planet Earth to give their souls to him, to yield their souls to him, to present their souls to him, to commit their souls to him. What happens? What happens? Now remember the, the, the passage here. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give in your bosom. So remember the, the proposition. Whatever you give to God, God's going to give. Think about what happened when you got saved. Think about that night or that day or whatever time it was, okay? When you realized you were a sinner and on your way to hell, could not save yourself, and you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. Now, that happened to me a long time ago, 70 years ago, 1949. 16-year-old boy, okay? And uh, had hardly been to church very little. Uh, I, I knew that uh, there was a heaven. I knew there was a hell. I knew that Jesus had died for sinners, and I knew I was a sinner. And uh, in a geometry class on Monday morning, a friend of mine invited me to go to a Youth for Christ meeting. And I went to that Youth for Christ meeting, and that night I got saved. I mean, in fact, I went to church to get saved. Sunday morning, or Saturday morning, I woke up, and I'd, I'd been trying to make excuses for not going with Bill. Uh, you know, I said, oh, okay, Youth for Christ. Uh, I'm a youth. You say, Brother Shish, you were a youth one time? <laughs> yeah, I really was, okay. <laughs> now, it's hard to believe now, okay. Uh, youth for Christ. But, and I'm a youth, okay, but for Christ, a Christian? I'm not a Christian. My, my folks are not Christian. Uh, we don't go to church. You know, all these things and so forth. Uh, and, and I tried to make up an excuse to, to not go. But I really liked Bill. He was one of my best friends, and, and I didn't want to disappoint him. But I woke up Saturday morning, and by the way, it, it had to be the Spirit of God. 
Because I woke up Saturday morning, I think, I'm hopeless. The home life is bad. Uh, we're in deep poverty, you know. I don't have any real hope. I don't have any real purpose for life. And I thought, now, I don't know what they do in church when they go forward, okay? But whatever they do, I'm going to that youth meeting tonight, and I'm going to do that, okay? And, and so in reality, I went to church to get saved. And uh, I don't know what the preacher preached about. I don't know who the preacher was. I don't know anything about it. Uh, all I really wanted him to do was shut up preaching so I could go forward and do what I was going to do. And sure enough, eventually, like all preachers, he eventually stopped, okay? <laughs> and, and they gave an invitation, and, and uh, I went forward. I don't even know if he knew what I was talking about and so forth, okay? Uh, but there was a Baptist preacher sitting in the back of the church that day, and he came forward with me, and he took his Bible and showed me uh, those things from the Bible that I knew, uh, that, I, that I was a sinner. If I died in my sin, I'd go to hell, that Jesus died for my sin, and that Saturday night, I, I bowed my head, and in simple childlike faith, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Amen. Now, I didn't feel any liquid love running up and down my veins or anything. Uh, I, I didn't see any lights flashing. But when I got up off my knees that night, I had a great peace that I'd never known before. And by the way, I, I didn't know it that night. But that night, and you think about it, the night you got saved, the day you got saved, you think about it. Give, and it shall be given to you. Commit, okay, remember what Paul said? I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. So in essence, what I did was I committed my soul to Jesus Christ that night. Now, what did he do for me? Number one, he gave me eternal life. Amen. That's big, Amen. Uh, he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, he forgave all of my sins. Think about it. All of my sins, all the sins I'd ever committed, all the sins I would ever commit, he forgave me of all my sins. He gave me spiritual life. Now, I had physical life before then, but I didn't have any spiritual life. I went home that night, and I lay on the same bed. And I used to lay on the bed, particularly about hearing somebody preach about hell and so forth. Now, I lay on that bed, and I think, I, I hope I don't die tonight. If I died tonight, I'd go to hell. And I went home that night, Saturday night, and I lay on that same bed, and all I could think of was, I may die tonight. But if I do, I'll wake up in heaven. Amen? In other words, I went to church on my way to hell, and I went home on my way to heaven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. By the way, Sunday morning, I woke up. You know the first thought I had? I better go to church. That's a strange thought for me. I better go play basketball. I better go play baseball. I better, better go swimming. better go hiking. No, no. I better go to church. I went to church. Guess what? Church had changed. It was interesting. The hymns were interesting. Sunday school was in. Even the preaching was interesting, okay? <laughs> Church had really changed. Not really. I had changed. And by the way, I never will forget going to uh, geometry class again on Monday morning. And it was one of my favorite subjects. But that Monday morning, any question Miss Gladish asked, immediately I knew the answer. And I remember her saying, Don, you seem to be extremely bright this morning. 
And I thought, man, getting saved makes you smarter. Amen. <laughs> now, I'm not promising straight A's if you get saved, okay? Uh, but but uh, it j just everything changed. Everything changed. That's exactly what God's saying here. Give, and it shall be. Now, you say, Brother Sisk, how do you know that God wants me to give him my soul? The Bible says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible said this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And don't let anybody tell you any other things, okay? God desires the salvation of all people. Amen. And by the way, the only way people can get saved is they have to hear the gospel. And that's our responsibility, amen? Our responsibility is to get the gospel to every person on planet Earth, 7.8 billion of them. So number one, I'm sure God wants me to give him my soul. Number two, I'm sure that he doesn't just want my soul. And, and this is kind of hard to believe, okay? But he wants all of me. He wants all of me. Now, sad to say, but many, many people uh, look on salvation as if it was uh, uh, just a ticket to heaven and an uh, escape from hell. Now, by the way, it's both of those things, okay? Because no Bible-believing Christian is ever going to hell, amen? There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. But uh, he doesn't just want our soul. He wants all of us. All of us. Uh, one of the first passages I memorized in the Bible was Ephesians 2, 8, 9. A few weeks after I got saved, I went forward in a revival meeting in a Baptist church and joined the Baptist church there in Nortonville. And uh, Brother Ratliff, he took me down to a little room and he wanted to go over the plan of salvation again. He wanted to be sure I was saved before he baptized me. And that's a good idea. And uh, after we did that, we prayed together again. And, and uh, then he gave me a little New Testament and he underlined Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he said, now, Don, before you come to church tomorrow night to revival, I want you to have memorized those verses. And, and I did, man. I went home that night, and I looked, took, took that New Testament, and, and I read it over and over and over and over. By the way, that's a good way to memorize scriptures. Amen. Just read it over and over and over and over. And I, and I went to church the next night, and, and Brother Ratliff said, Now, Don, did you memorize those verses? And I said, I sure did. And I quoted them for him. And, and I've always remembered those. And by the way, uh, I, I've never had any problem with that. Uh, salvation is all of God. It's by grace, not anything I did, but everything that he did. Amen. Salvation by grace through faith. But, you know, if you read Ephesians chapter 2, the way it was originally written, and, and by the way, you know this, it wasn't written in verses. Uh, now, now, thank God for the verses. It makes it handy for us, okay? But the Bible was not written in verses. It was written in paragraphs, just like any other thing would be written. And verse 8 is not the end of the paragraph. 
Verse 9 is the end of the paragraph. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, but as any man should vote. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. And by the way, the, the, the simple fact is this. Uh, I do not work in order to get saved. But because I am saved, then I do the work of God, the work that God planned for me to do. Uh, Romans chapter 12, listen to it. You know it. Most of you could quote it. Listen to it again. I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now listen to what he's saying. God's been merciful to you. And he has. Aren't you glad for his mercy? Every once in a while, I, I hear some dummy make a statement like this. All I want is what I deserve. And every time I hear that, I think, no, no, you don't, okay. If you got what you deserve, if I got what I deserve, every one of us would spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. No, no, no. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, think about the mercy that God's had on you. Now, listen to what he said. That you present, present, yield, give, commit, okay, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, what's he saying? I want you to give your all to God. Uh, a lot of Christians would be scared to death to make a total commitment to God. What is a total commitment? What does it look like? I think it's something like this. Dear God, I'll be anything you want me to be. Even a preacher, even a missionary, whatever, okay? I'll be anything you want me to be. Maybe a janitor, maybe a businessman, whatever, okay? I'll do anything you want me to do, okay? I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll say anything you want me to say. I'll give anything you want me to give. And by the way, now I know what the devil has put in the minds of people. Wait a minute. If you told God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll be anything you want me to be. I'll do anything you want me to do. Uh, I'll give anything out you God would make you do something that would make you miserable the rest of your life. By the way, that's a very poor conception of God. Amen. God is our Heavenly Father. I love the statement. I didn't coin it. I wish I had him. Okay. But listen to it. God reserves the very best for those who leave the choice to him. God reserves the very best for those who leave the choice to him. I, I had a friend, uh, he passed away a few years ago, uh, Ron Bishop. At, at one time, Ron was the uh, athletic director and uh, basketball coach at uh, Tennessee Temple University. And, and uh, Ron's testimony was, was kind of similar to mine. Uh, he got saved when he was 15 years old. Did, didn't come from a Christian background and so forth. And uh, soon after getting saved, he went to a Christian camp. And the Christian camp, there were counselors, the girls and the boys, and they were like uh, 19, 20, 21 years old and so forth. And uh, Ron tells that he got there and he... he 
kept looking at this one girl, and he said, I got such a crush on her that all I could think about was how pretty she was and so forth. And, and you know, sometimes younger boys get crush on older girls and so forth. And he said, I just couldn't keep my eyes off of her. And he said, uh, I heard missionaries giving testimonies like this. Uh, I told the Lord I would go anywhere but Africa, and God sent me to Africa. Uh, I, I told God I would go anywhere in the world and God, but China, and God sent me to China. You know, different things like that. He said, I, I listened to those missionaries, and I began to say to God, Dear God, don't make me marry that girl and go to Hawaii as a missionary, okay? And he said, sure enough, he didn't do either one. <laughs> But, but hey, the, the devil would make you think, now, wait a minute, if you made a whole commitment, if you said to God, I'll go anywhere, do anything, be anything, give anything, uh, God would make, no, 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 no. God is your heavenly Father. And when you make a total commitment to God, God is going to give you his very best. His very best. Have you ever made a really total commitment to God? What does it look like? Listen to Jesus. He goes into a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. And by the way, when, when I went to Israel, that was the most inspiring place for me to go. I'll never forget being there and, and thinking about Jesus praying there. Uh, but, but as he went to that garden that night, left his disciples a little bit away from him. And he goes a little bit farther, and then uh, he begins to pray, and he knows what's coming down the line, okay? He knows that they are going to come and beat him, and they're uh, going to plant a crown of thorns on his head, and they're going to spit in his face, and they're going to crucify him, and that all of the sins of the world were going to be laid on him. Now listen to him. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now I'll be honest with you. I don't really know exactly what that means. I think I have a thought that Jesus is saying, Father, if there is any other way for those people down there in Houston, Texas to be saved in the 21st century, if there is any other way for mankind to be saved from their sin, then let this cup pass from me. And the Bible says that it was such an excruciating, painful praying uh, that he literally sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. And I, I don't think he was thinking about the physical pain. But I think he was thinking about the separation from God when all the sins were laid upon him. And three times he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's commitment. Not my will, but thy will be done. So I'm absolutely sure that God wants me and he wants you. And if we were preaching to all the people in the world tonight, 
We could say he wants you to commit your soul to him. Amen. By the way, something good happens when you do, amen. amen. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded, I'm convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt, that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. <laughs> wow, is that security or not? My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. For my Father which giveth me them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. What security? Praise the Lord. I'm sure God wants me to give my all to him. Now, I'll never know why, okay? But he wants me, and he wants you. By the way, stop and think. There are no unimportant people in the world. Right, right. There are no insignificant people in the world. Every person on the earth is precious and meaningful to God. Don't you love him? For God so loved the world. The world of mankind. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now maybe the hardest of the three things is this. God wants me, okay, God wants me to give him my substance. And, and I'd have to say, God, have you looked at my bank account? <laughs> okay. I mean, after all, you created the universe. It was created for you. It was created by you. It all belongs to you. The cattle of a thousand hills, all the gold and silver that's under the hills, the oil and all the other, it all belongs to you. And you want my substance? You want me to give you my substance? That's what the Bible says. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now, I'm absolutely sure, number one, God wants every born-again child of God to give him one-tenth of all that he gives to you. <laughs> now, think about it, okay? He says, now, I'm going to give you all this, and I want you to give me one-tenth back. Now, that's fair enough, is it not? Uh, you say, how do you know that? Because the Bible teaches it very plain. You say, well, it's Old Testament. Uh, so is Psalm 23. Okay. So is Genesis 1. Yeah. It's Old Testament. By the way, Jesus said, in talking about the tithe and so forth, he said, these things you ought to have done, but not to have left the others undone. Uh, so you say, well, tithing's under the law. Tithing was before the law. Okay, Abraham tithed, okay? It was before the law. It was during the law. It's after the law. I believe that every born-again child of God, I believe the Bible teaches this, ought to give at least 10% of everything God gives you back to him through your local church. That's what the Bible teaches. Bring you all the tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you'll not be able to receive. Prove me, saith the Lord herewith. Prove me. Just, just try me. Now, that's giving 101, okay? 
So I'm, I'm positive God wants all of us to give him one-tenth of all that we give, all that he gives to us. Uh, my wife and I started tithing soon after we got married, 1952. And by the way, I made a commitment one Sunday morning after Brother Jones had preached a message on tithing. And uh, I went forward. I said, Brother Jones, I believe what you preach. And from this minute on, everything God gives me, I will give at least one-tenth of that back to God through my local church. Now, that's the way he preached it in 1952. I still use the same Bible he did in 1952, and I still preach it the same way, okay? The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's, it's uh, to be given to the, the storehouse, and that's the local church, okay? And uh, by the way, when I, when I made that commitment, uh, Brother Jones said to me, he said, Don, let's pray together. And he prayed for me that I'd be able to keep the, that which I'd committed. And then he told the church about it. Now, you know, he just knew a young man had made a good decision. And uh, by the way, when Brother Jones said to the Black Oak Baptist Church that Sunday morning, uh, now that Don is going to be a tither, the treasurer didn't jump up and say, well, since Don is going to tithe, our financial problems are over. <laughs> okay. And, uh, 1952, you'll have a hard time believing this, okay. Uh, but I was making a dollar an hour. Okay, a dollar an hour. And uh, you say, well, okay, you make $40 a week. Your tithe was $4. Uh, if my tithe was just $4, I wouldn't mind tithing. But when you only have $36 left, that's not much, amen. You say, what, is what I'm saying is this. My tithe did not make an impact on the treasure of Black Oak Baptist Church in Gary, Indiana. But it made an impact on me. It proved that if I would do what God told me to do, God would do what he told me he would do, okay? Uh, now, when I first started tithing, I'll be honest with you, it was very, very legalistic. I mean, if I worked overtime and made $45, uh, I would give $4.50. I did not want to do too much, okay? <laughs> and uh, it, even now, you know, there's, there's a lot of people trying to get legalistic about tithing. Uh, I don't know how many times I've had people say to me, uh, Brother says, do you believe we ought to tithe off of the net income or the gross income? Now, I've heard that so many times, I've got a good answer for it, okay? Uh, God has promised to bless you if you tithe. And you just have to decide, do I want God's net blessing or his gross blessing, okay? <laughs> now, I don't know about you, okay? But I'd rather have his gross blessing, amen. Uh, and by the way, I am positive that God wants every believer to give something to missions above their tithe and offering. I mean, the Bible says it, okay? 2 Corinthians 9, 7, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. In other words, everybody ought to give something to missions above their regular tithe and offering. That's simple. Now, we call that grace giving. We call it faith promise giving. It doesn't make any difference what you call it. But every Christian ought to give something above their regular tithe and offering to world evangelization. Listen to that verse again. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say every man, according as he can figure out from his budget, so let him give. 
<laughs> no. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm glad God's a whole lot bigger than my budget. Amen. <laughs> but he said, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Uh, you're hearing missionaries this week. Uh, you, you've, you've heard Brother Pridgen. You, you're, you've heard Brother, uh, Brother Shep, uh, whatever your name is, okay? <laughs> and uh, uh, other missionaries and so forth. And, and, and let's let God get a hold of our heart. By the way, wouldn't it be good if we, I mean, you know, God gave us a brain to think with, and I know we ought to think and so forth. But wouldn't it be good if we let God get a hold of our heart? Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now, many times when you read that verse, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. A lot of the women say, amen, let the men give. <laughs> hey, guess what? He's not talking about gender there. Every man kind. Wouldn't it be something if every member of a Rise Baptist church, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, gave something to missions every week above their regular tithe and offering. That'd be a great thing, amen? Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. When I first got saved, I joined the church there in Nortonville. They had a, a, a preacher or a deacon by the name of Burba, B-U-R-B-A. He ran a little old restaurant in, right in front of the church. Made some wonderful homemade ice cream. I can even taste it now, okay? I love ice cream. Don't, don't all bring me some ice cream tomorrow night, okay? But I, I like ice cream, okay? And uh, Brother Verbo would often pray for the offering. He's one of the deacons. And I, and I remember him praying, and at the end of his prayer, he'd pray about other things. But at the end of his prayer, he would always pray, and Lord, bless those who give and those who can't give. And so every once in a while, Brother Ratliff would have the young people take an offering. You know, we'd have youth day and things like that. And sometimes he'd call on me to, to pray for the offering. And, and I'd sort of pray like that. At the end of my prayer, I thought it sounded so pretty, so nice of a prayer. Dear Lord, bless those who give and those who can't give. Then years after, I was reading 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. And guess what? That doesn't say anything about those who can't give. Wonder why? Everybody can give something. I mean, is there anybody here tonight that couldn't give a dollar a week to mission? Now, God forbid that'd be what most of you do, okay? So, uh, it's, giving is not a matter of can or can't. Giving is a matter of will or want. And when I learned that, I changed my praying. And if I pray for the offering now, I say, Dear Lord, Bless who give, those who give, and whip those who won't give, okay? Now, that'd be more scriptural, okay? Everybody, what does God want? God wants my soul, God wants me myself, and God wants my substance. And when I yield those things to him, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, checking together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Now, I want you to notice real carefully the very last part of that verse. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I read that, it, it nearly looks like God is saying, 
Uh, you just determine how much you want. Okay. With the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Uh, God's shovel is bigger than yours, okay? We put in with a tablespoon and God puts in with a shovel, okay? Uh, we, we put in uh, with a shovel and uh, God puts in with a, a, uh, some kind of an instrument, puts in all kinds, okay? God puts the dump truck up and dumps it up. I mean, you know, God's a lot bigger than we are, amen? Bottom line is, you can't outgive God, amen? Uh, don't, don't sell God short. In 1956, I began preaching, pastoring, at Johnson Island Baptist Church. And I'll never forget, as long as I live, Christmas came around, Christmas time. And uh, a lady by the name of Mrs. Lynn came to Virginia and me, and she said, uh, Brother Don, I want you in Virginia to go to Jordan Furniture Company. I have an account there. Uh, do any of you remember before credit cards? They had accounts at service stations, at grocery stores, different places. And she said, I have an account there. And Buford and Ruby Day, members of our church, they work there. They, they, they'll know about it. And I want you and Miss Virginia to go to Jordan Furniture Company. And uh, you buy whatever you need, whatever you want, and have it charged to me, and I'll pay for it, and that'll be my Christmas present to you. And I said, Ms. Lynn, uh, about how much money should we spend? And she said, hey, but it doesn't make any difference. You buy whatever you need, whatever you want, and I'll pay for it, okay? And by the way, she could do that, okay? Uh, that was dangerous because we were in Bible school. <laughs> we needed everything we saw. We wanted everything we saw, okay? We went to Jordan Furniture Company, and we talked with Ruby and Buford, and, you know, we looked at bedroom suits. We looked at living room suits. Uh, we looked at refrigerators. We had an icebox on the back porch, okay? And I know some of you young people, brother, say, what's an icebox? It's a box you keep ice in, okay? And when the ice runs out, your refrigeration runs out. We looked at refrigerators. We looked at everything. We looked at carpets, on and on and on. But after about an hour and a half in Jordan Furniture Company, we left that day, and we were carrying our purchase. It was a magazine rack about that long. It cost $5.95. I still have that magazine rack. It was a trophy of my stupidity. <laughs> we could have had anything in the furniture store, and we settled for a $5.95 magazine rack. By the way, that was an embarrassment to Mrs. Lynn. She would have been much more pleased with a much larger gift. Let me close with one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Psalms 81.10. Listen to it. God says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. By the way, in the Old Testament, when God wanted to show his power, he would use that illustration. Hey, that was a great feat, okay? Here are two million Israelites in Egyptian bondage, and he delivers them out of that, and he brings them through the Red Sea on dry ground, and Pharaoh and his army trying to go through the same Red Sea were all drowned. That's a great feat. 
I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Then notice what he says. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Think about it. We have God's unlimited resources at our disposal. And the way we get it is, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. It's by our heads. Number one, have you committed your life? I'm sorry, have you committed your soul to the Lord? Now, you, you don't commit your soul to a church. You don't commit your soul to some kind of work that you do. Have you committed your soul to the Lord? If not, this would be a good night to do that. How about it, Christian? Have you really ever made a total commitment to God? Uh, maybe tonight would be a good night just to come to the altar and just say to God, Dear God, here I am. I'm ready. I'm willing to do anything you want me to do. I'm ready. I'm willing to go anywhere you want me to go, to be anything you want me to be, to give anything you want me to give. Have you committed your substance to the Lord? Hey, by the way, if you have, whatever you commit to God, he'll take good care of it. And whatever we give to him, whatever we yield to him, whatever we submit to him, whatever we present to him, he'll give us something much better. Our heads are eyes, our, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And I'm going to ask Brother Cover to come and he'll conduct the invitation and close the service as God directs him. Pastor. of what God wants to give to us. I'm thankful for God's wonderful, tremendous gifts. But I wonder, is there something you need to give to Him tonight? Have you given Him your soul? Have you given Him all of yourself? Maybe it's your substance. I think He said it well. Giving is not a matter of can or can't. It is a matter of will or won't. Whatever the Lord's told you to give Him tonight, would you commit it to Him? You talk to God. If you need to come here and pray, that'd be great. If you want to pray in your seat, that's fine. Just get with God and give Him whatever have Him give you tonight. Father, help us. Help us to be faithful, to give as You've given so richly to us. Help us to be faithful. We love You. It's in Jesus' name. Take a moment now.